This is the Gospel City Church podcast. Our hope is that this message is helpful, encouraging, and even life-changing as you grow to know the person and work of Jesus. Enjoy this message today. Today's scripture passage is found in the book of Mark, chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Again he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun arose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Good afternoon. Uh, My name is Sangmin. Before I share from Mark chapter 4, I just want to encourage, every time I go visit and be able to speak at a friend's church, encourage the church, love your pastors. Uh, Pastoral ministry is tough, just like many of your jobs are tough. Uh, Last year, Barna Group, a credible research group in America, said 42% of the pastors wanted to quit. 42%. Uh, mind you, during the pandemic and after pandemic, many have already left. So those that are remaining, 42%. And basically, if you, if you uh, read the survey, pastors, pastors don't feel empowered, don't feel like they have what it takes. Um, so I just want to encourage you guys to love on Pastor Sean, Pastor Shin. I know both of these men, they love you guys. Um, but they have families. They have challenges. So I want to encourage you guys to love on them. Take them out. Buy a nice cup of coffee, nice meal. Don't expect too much. We're humans. We fail. Uh, But God has called them. So I love these men. You guys are amazing pastors. Amen? All right. How do we do this, Sean? You told me, but it's like magic. Okay, cool. Magic. All right. Imagine, if you will, Mark chapter 4. Jesus is standing on the shore of Galilee Sea. A large crowd has gathered around him. And Jesus begins to teach of the values of the kingdom that has arrived, that he has brought with him, the kingdom of God. Jesus always talks about, I'm bringing a new kingdom. He he talks about the values and the vision for this new kingdom. But instead of giving a set of rules, which many of us would do if you are a practical person, gives rule number one, rule number two, he actually gives a series of powerful stories. Anyone love stories? We all love stories. Stories are amazing. And Jesus knew, just as we love stories, Jesus knew the power of stories. And these stories, known as parables, have the remarkable ability not only to captivate our minds, but really our hearts. Through this parable in Mark chapter 4, Jesus reminds us the power of listening. 
Some of you guys are already ready to go to sleep. Power of listening. Stay awake with me. 4, 4.55, it's time for me to go to bed. But stay awake with me. Right, Jesus talks about the importance of listening. Everyone say listening. listening. You can do better than that. Listening. listening. Not simply showing up. Because, you know, after COVID, it's like, oh, I came to church. You should be happy, Pastor, right? But not just showing up. Not simply hearing, but hearing well. As someone who preaches every week, almost every week, I love this passage because so much of the focus of Sunday can be on the preacher. Right, you guys, after this, you guys go to dinner. You talk about, okay, the preacher was good or preacher was not so good. He could be more funny. He could be less funny. I mean, all these conversations around the preaching and preacher. We all want thought-provoking, engaging, relevant, well-organized, easy-to-follow, passionate, impactful, empathetic 30-minute sermons, which is impossible. I'll tell you, it's impossible and unrealistic. But yes, we need good preaching, right? And, and I know you get good preaching from Pastor Shin and Pastor Sean here. You get good preaching. Preaching is important. Some of us spend 20, 30 hours of our important week preparing for this message. Well, guess what? Jesus turns the table through this passage. And he says, not just preaching, but we need those that can hear, that can actually listen. Chuck's right here. Chuck owns restaurants. I know Chuck because I love his food. But Chuck knows. He can, sorry, Chuck, I have to put you in the spot, but Cali Kitchen, check it out, y'all. Um, but as a chef, just like preaching, we prepare this wonderful meal. But imagine I go to Chuck's restaurant. Before going, because it's like 5 o'clock, I'm hungry, I love snacking, I, I get a choco pie. You guys like choco pie? I, what, what do I do? I ruin dinner. Right? Chuck could prepare this amazing meal, but because I had the choco pie, because I'm not prepared for this amazing meal, it's like, oh, that was okay. Review, like, three, three out of five, whatever. Drives Chuck crazy. Same thing, guys. We could prepare this amazing, amazing sermon, and people could do all of these things. Yet, if people are not prepared to hear, there, there might be no transformation. So verse 3, just follow with me. We'll go through all different types of soils that are in our text. Verse 3, a sower goes out to plant exact same seeds. Every soil gets same seeds. It's same soil, same technique, same quality of the stuff. Yet only thing that's different is different types of soil. And Jesus tells us there are four types of soil, and they represent the condition of people's heart. Verses 1 through 20, I love this passage because Jesus gives us interpretation. There's no way to get this wrong because after teaching this message, Jesus pulls his disciples aside and says, did you understand what I was talking about? The disciples are like, no. And Jesus explains each, what each soil represents. Any seminary students, this, this would be the best first sermon you'll preach. You don't have to interpret. It's right there. So verse 4, the first soil, Jesus says, some seed fell along a walking path, a type of a hard ground. And Jesus says, when it fell on this walking path, some birds came immediately and devoured the seed. And verse 15, Jesus explains Birds represent Satan who comes to distract, who distract people from hearing his word. And if you read scripture and if you grew up in the church and if you've 
done any kind of study through the scripture, you know that's been Satan's playbook from the very beginning. Distracting us, discouraging us, twisting God's word. Genesis 3, right? He shows up to Eve and says, God really say you can't touch any of the fruit? Right? Twisting and, and distracting and confusing. Why? Because, friends, Satan fears no one more than men and women who are committed to God's word. So, you know, people come to me, pastoral ministry, I've been, I've been doing it for 15 years. They have all these things. I want to grow. I want to, I want to love the church. I want to, and I'm like, just read the word. I don't, I don't have any special, just read the, if you could just simply daily commit yourself to reading God's word that's been given to your life is going to look different because the word is what's special. Again, Satan fears no one more than a person whose life is planted in the truth of God's word. C.S. Lewis, he once said, I quote, there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. Wonderful book by C.S. Lewis called uh, Screw Tape Letters. Uh, it's like 5 o'clock, I'm ready to go to sleep. Screw Tape Letters. Wonderful book. If you want to know about spiritual warfare, that's a fantastic book. Even today, as you're sitting here, even me, as I'm preaching, I'm like ready to fall asleep. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, right? Even here, we may be distracted. As you're sitting here, coming, fighting through the rain, maybe not rain anymore, but fighting through nice sunshine, weather, sitting here, you will be distracted. Maybe distracted by an argument you had with your coworker, your boss, your friends, your spouse. How many of you guys are married? Can I, can I ask how many of you guys are married? Oh, great. Wow, that's a big group, Right? Don't you, isn't, isn't it so funny how every time you try to go to church, you get into one of these arguments and you're like, how did we get here? I, I just was talking about lunch and then you're like arguing, coming to church all upset. Just me? Not, none of you guys? Okay, yeah, y'all, just no eye contact. I love it. <laughs> it's always something. In fact, sometimes we don't even make it to church anymore because we are distracted. Post-COVID, it's like, let's just go YouTube live. And the 50 other things right while we're watching. In fact, in our most, in our fa fast-paced, interconnected modern culture, being distracted has become a norm. Like I have two daughters, and both of my daughters love showing me really boring things. Can I tell you, as a parent, like I'm like I'm not amazed by the 15th project. You know, like she played this song on our piano, like 15th. I'm not. I mean, just be honest with you. I'm not that amazed. I'm like, okay. And I'm so, but you know, in my mind, I know, right? Did you know, actually, parents, 90% of time with your kids is going to be from 0 to 18. And then the rest of the 10% time, 10% of your time with kids is going to be lived out for the rest of your life. So I know that. And my daughter, Emma, comes to me, and Emma's like, Dad, do you want to hear me play this song? And in my heart, I'm like, yeah, I want to I wanna listen because this is 90%. After 18, you're not going to want to hang out with me. I want to Yet, guess what happens? As she's playing, I'm looking at my phone. As she's playing, I'm checking my email. As she's playing, I can't, knowing, oh, this is going to be gone. Emma's going to be out of the house in 10 years. Yet, I'm, I'm distracted. And she has to play it over and over again for me to even hear her. 
Come on, somebody. Anybody? Anybody like that? Distracted? There's one, one father right there. I love it. I love it. With our smartphones and social media, endless stream of information on our fingertips, we are so easily swayed away from anything that's happening in present moment. Like my wife and I, after kids go down, all we want to do is just like 9 o'clock hits. We're like, okay, just leave us alone. We got our phone. We got our iPad. We got our computer. We got like three devices. We're not really watching anything. We're just being distracted the whole time. Too much TMI, too much, too much information. And, and if I had a dollar for every time my daughter told me, Dad, Mom, put away your phones, I would be a rich man. That's, that's sad, but that's our reality. In fact, our, you know, our devices, right, Samsung, whatever you guys use, iPhones or Pixel, whatever you guys use, they're designed to take, they're, they're designed to constantly demand our focus, tempting us with instant gratification, a never-ending supply of entertainment. Or Apple spends millions of dollars. I didn't bring my Apple Watch today because it's distracting. Right? Apple spends millions of dollars in that, in that little vibration. Ding! You know that thing? Apple users, you guys know what I'm talking about? Thing! Like that, it, that device is designed to keep us addicted. To what uh, stupid notification, CNN about some, some random story, but we are distracted. So even now, as you're sitting here, you can be distracted. So let me pray for us one more time. Let's pray. Lord, we pray against distraction of the evil one. We come against the lies of the evil one. We lay down our burdens here, Lord, and we want to hear from you. Would you speak? Would you speak through your word? Jesus, let me pray. Amen. Amen? Amen. Amen. So one, there's distraction against God's word. Satan wants to rob us of God's word. Second, second soil is verse 5, rocky ground, right? Looking at the original Greek, this is not a plot of land with many little rocks and stones, but a plot of land underneath a thin layer, I drew for you guys so that you guys just get it. A thin layer of soil underneath, there is this huge bedrock preventing the seed from being planted, right? Obviously, this would make it very difficult for any seed to be planted because of this rock. And Jesus says, when the seed is planted, there is an instant growth. Because there, there is soil, yet any hardship, rain, and wind will blow it away because it is not rooted deeply. Listen to verse 16, Jesus' explanation. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground, the, one, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. Yet they have no root in themselves, so they endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately fall away. Notice the text tells us it is not if tribulation comes, if things get difficult, if life gets hard, if trials come. No, it's not if, but but what? When? When tribulations and persecution come against the word, when our faith is challenged because of the word, when we face hardships and setbacks and difficulties and hardships, Friends, if you read scripture, if you read Paul, if you read Jesus, 
It's very obvious that there will be times when following Jesus will become difficult and costly. Following Jesus, if you're like new believer, I might just be, I'm sorry, I'm going to be really honest. Following Jesus is not easy. Following Jesus will challenge your life, will, 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 will cause you to make different decisions. And at times, it, it will cost you. Because you're committing to a new life. You're committing to a new kingdom. It, it will challenge us to, to not live by our old values and purpose, but to embrace the values and vision of Jesus. Paul, throughout his letters, because Paul wrote probably half of New Testament, throughout his letters, he, have, he has reminded us that we are citizens of a new kingdom. If you are in Christ, you are to be resident alien. That's the word Paul and Peter both use in their letters. Resident alien. Everyone say resident alien. Which means what? We are part of this world. Yes, we are to engage and love people around us. Yet our values and our vision, our purpose, we live for another kingdom. Which means trials, tribulations, hardships will arrive at our doorsteps. Again, trials, tribulations, hardships will arrive at our doorsteps as we follow Jesus. Again, the biblical writers have written continually to remind us of troubles that we'll face on this side of eternity. 1 Peter 4.12, our church, we're walking through. I'm sorry, this is really bothering me. I'm sorry, I'm going to just move this a little bit. We've been walking through 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Peter says what? He says, do not be surprised at the fiery trials that may come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Right? Verse 13, I don't have it up there, but instead he says, rejoice. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. But let's be honest. Let's, let's, let's be really honest. Let me really be honest. Because I'm here one week. I'm not here next week. Let me just be honest. I am often surprised when I feel like I'm following Jesus and life does not get better. I'm often surprised when I feel like I obey Jesus and something punches me in the face and I'm just like, I'm shocked. I'm like, Jesus, why? What's going on? I thought we're following you. I thought we're being obedient to you. I thought this is what you wanted. If you, we are often surprised when challenges and difficulties and tribulations arrive at our doors. In fact, the assumption is, I'm surprised because the assumption is, as long as we obey Jesus, life should be good. Life should be better. Life should be wealthier. Life should be more comfortable. And whenever we face hard and difficult things in life, often it's not faith that comes out, but it's what? It's fear. It's doubt. It's mistrust. Because faith, again, is hard. Trusting Jesus is not easy. Wanting control is easy. But letting Jesus drive your car is much more difficult. Holding on to God's promises over your life is much more difficult.
And this is why we need to continue to kneel at the foot of Jesus' cross. Because faith is not self-generated. Faith is not something we can muster up on our own. Faith is a gift. Even faith is a gift from God. Listen to Pastor Edmund Cloudy, pastor and author. Really great stuff. And he says this about trials and tribulations. And I'll quote, trials should not surprise us or cause us to doubt God's faithfulness. Same thing that Peter is talking about. Rather, we should actually be glad for them. God sends trials to strengthen our trust in him so that our faith will not fail. Did you guys hear that? Wake up, people next to you. Do you guys hear this? God sends trials to strengthen our trust in him so that our faith will not fail. Our, tri- our trials keep us trusting. They burn away our self-confidence. And they drive us to our Savior. Some of us are facing hard and difficult things, like real hard and difficult things this afternoon. Crisis of life, perhaps financially, perhaps physically, perhaps relationally. Some of you guys are dealing with intense things from your childhood. Some of you guys are dealing with deep, scary depression you don't know how to, how to get out of. But here's a wonderful reminder. Whenever you, whatever you are facing, Pastor Edmund Cloudy says, it is through these experiences God does his best work. 15 years of ministry. You know, I, I, I can't believe I'm already, I'm already 15 years in. 15 years of ministry, more than once, I've accused God of not caring, not providing, not being in control. I've, I've told God I was done. I'll sell cars. I'll share insurance. I don't, I'm done. I've told God I'm done many times in ministry. The 42% that the Barna Group is talking about, I'm, I was right there for many years of those 15 years. Yet when I look back on my own messy journey, and it was messy. If, if you knew me, it was very messy. I can confidently tell you. I can look, at, look you in your eyes. I can confidently tell you. It's through those seasons. I mean, I don't want to go back to those seasons. That, trust, Lord, if you hear me, I don't want to go back to those seasons. But I look back to those seasons. It's those painful, difficult, hard seasons. God did his best work of burning away my self-confidence. So many times I realized, man, I was an arrogant, arrogant whatever. I don't know what the language here is, is appropriate, but I was arrogant. Oh, I was like, I know how to preach. I know how to lead ministry. I know how to plant a church. So much of what I did, first probably 10 years of ministry, was so, so much arrogance. And God sent these wonderful experiences of life to show me. Tell me, you ain't all that, man. You got to slow your roll before you hurt yourself. Because this is not about you building your church. It's about you building my church. It's about you loving my people. He has done that for me. He's still doing that for me. Lord, you can stop if, if, if I think I'm ready, but okay. And he will continue to do that for you. 
Not because he's, he's abandoned you or he doesn't care, he's indifferent about your pain, but because he loves you and he wants you, he wants you to be drawn to him, to his son. Amen? Like two people. Amazing. Amen. The third soil, verse 18, and, and, and others, Jesus, are sown among thorns. Everyone say thorns. There are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and desire for other things enter in and choke the word. It proves unfruitful. So Jesus, for the last one, before we get to the good one, he identifies three distinct obstacles. The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and desire for other things. Right? Three very distinct things. Yet they are interconnected. If you actually think about it, all of these things have a common connection. All of these three things, they speak of the thorn of heart that is divided. You see, friends, at the turf of your heart and my heart, turf of every person's heart in this room, we all have something that is in fierce competition with the affection and commitment to Jesus. Whether that's a pursuit of a career that we want, or the portfolio we want to build, or the spouse that we want to marry, or kids that we want to raise, usually good things, but they're in fierce competition with our affection for Jesus. Martin Luther, this is a reformed church, right? Martin Luther, you guys like Martin Luther, the reformer? He started this thing. Wrote a book for younger pastors called Large Catechism. Not very creative. Large Catechism, it's, it's large. That's why it's Large Catechism. Where he lays out his understanding of Ten Commandments. And Luther says, first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me, is the foundational piece to rest of the nine. When the first commandment is truly embraced and faithfully honored, if we truly have no idols before, before God, if we truly worship God and there's no other idols in our hearts, if that is faithfully honored, it acts as a guiding principle that influences our interaction with all of the rest of the nine, and shapes our obedience. Jesus says, what Jesus is saying in our text is, Jesus says, it is an idolatrous heart that are in direct competition with God's word in us. Same reformer Luther, he later said, whatever your heart clings to and confides in, that is really your God. Your functional savior. He says, so what Luther is saying is, you can pray, you can sing, you can raise your hand, you can come to church, you can tithe, you can go on missions, you can do all of these things. But when push comes to shove, when things get hard, when storms come, when life gets rough, whatever your heart clings to and confides in, that is really your functional savior. It's not God. So unless, friends, Jesus is what our heart truly clings to and our heart truly confides in, he may be our imaginary savior, but he's not a functional one. 
And when Jesus remains merely our imaginary Savior, merely amongst many other saviors that we have in our hearts, we will remain utterly fruitless. That's what the third soil is about. These thorns, they're just idols that we have in our hearts. And you're like, let's never invite this guy again. This is such a depressing message. But I got good news. Fourth and final soil. This is like dancing by itself. This is, uh, the dancing. Fourth and final soil, verse 20. The good soil. Everyone say the good soil. Here we go. Verse 20. But those who were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. Simple. It's like, what? That's it? That's it, Jesus? The Greek grammar used for the verb in verse 20 to hear are unlike the previous three uh, hears that we find in other soils. Only here in verse 20, the Greek text has it in the present continuous tense. English teachers? All right. Present continuous tense means what? Active, attentive, alert type of listening. Teachers, you want those kind of students that are ready to hear the highest quality of hearing different from other previous soils. And what's crazy is Jesus promises an unimaginable level of fruitfulness only if you and I can hear his word. 30, 60, 100. Any investors here? I mean, 30, 60, 100. If you give me 10x of my money, I'm investing right away. I'm investing everything. 10x is great. 30, 60, 100. That's iPhone money before iPhone 1 came out. If you, if you held on to that stock. That's amazing fruitfulness. Yet that's what Jesus says. That's the power of the seed that is being planted in, in this soil. See, friends, let, let me get to my punchline. Friends, this passage isn't about our ability or inability to hear Jesus. I'm not here to tell you, come to church early, be prepared. That's not the point of this sermon. It's not only if we can muster up the strength and the focus and attention to God and obey Him, we can be fruitful. That's not the message. Why? It's because the scripture reminds us again and again how our hearts are fickle at best. And so easily how we are distracted, just like how distracted I am with my kids, we are so easily distracted. And so embarrassingly, how our hearts are divided. We can experience something really difficult and God shows up and we're like, God, I love you. Next thing shows up, you're ready to jump. I'm ready to jump. I'm already, I'm again distracted. The remedy for this passage isn't about our effort or our ability. The parable really What's, what this is about is the uncanny reality of what happens when God's word invades our lives. The power is about God's word. It's about in breaking of the kingdom of God through his word. About kingdom of God entering, invading, taking root in a world that is desperately broken. So this means, friends, the astounding harvest that Jesus promises here in our passage is not some wishful thinking or up to us to achieve. 
But this is what Jesus has accomplished for you and I. You guys got me? I can't read faces right now. It's, um, I'm sleeping already. No, really. This passage is not about, oh, we got we to gotta do better. We got we to gotta come to church early and be able to listen. We got we to gotta be able to rip out all these idols. No, this passage is about what Jesus did for us. Because you and I, at best, our hearts are fickle. And Jesus comes and says, let me turn this soil into soil of goodness. And this is the gospel, and I end here. Jesus, the living word. Remember, he's the living word. Came to dwell among us, and it's only through his life, death, and resurrection, him hearing God's heart for us, Jesus attentively hearing God's heart for humanity, broken humanity, and fully obeying even obedience to death on a cross for you and I. He overcame every distraction, every suffering, every shame and sin. He did that for you. He did that for me. And our fickle hearts, the default soil of our condition of our hearts, have once, been, have once again been renewed and, and transformed. It's Jesus who silences the accuser. It's Jesus who has removed the stones and the thorns of our hearts is Jesus. Through him, we can begin. Only through him, we can begin to see and hear God and begin to obey. So friends, whatever you're facing today, I have no idea. I probably met most of you guys just now. Whatever you're facing, but God knows. And, and, and if you know anything about Jesus... Right, Mark 4, Mark 6, 6. What does Jesus do when his disciples are caught up in the storm? He doesn't run. He goes closer he, until he gets into the boat with the, while the storm is going on. Especially Mark 6, Jesus goes closer. So I want to encourage you, whatever you're facing today, Jesus is with you. And through whatever you're facing, God wants to accomplish something new that you cannot attain on your own. So won't you allow this wonderful, wonderful good news to give you courage and strength and wisdom in your battle with whatever you're facing today. Amen? Can, you guys, can I give you guys a moment to pray? If you've been blessed through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. Gospel City is a gospel-centered church in Seoul, South Korea, on a mission to plant Korean-speaking, healthy, gospel-centered churches. You can give by going to the website give.thegospelcity.org. Thank you for listening and subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Remember, Jesus changes everything.